Welcome to episode 20 of Super Nerd Pals, your weekly conversational podcast about video games, comic books, and everything else. And I'm one of your hosts, Andy, and you can find me on Twitter at SweetJustice1, that's O-N-E. And with me today is Stan, as always, and you can find him on Twitter at StanDoom. And our third guest today is going to be Chris. And this is a part two special of our last episode. This is the second part wrapping up while I'm on vacation. And I'll be back later this week for episode 21 of Super Nerd Pals. Hope you enjoy the show. Alright, let's move on. Um, comics. We picked up some comics this week. Oh wait, didn't, didn't you forget uh, Xenoblade? Oh yeah, Xenoblade. Oh, yeah, I played yeah. some Xenoblade also this week. But uh, doesn't doesn't compare to your Mad Max Oh, uh, fucking Dragon Age story. There is no dragons in Xenoblade? No, I'm, not that I know of. I'm getting wrecked by, like, I see these ponies, and I got, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's weird, but you see, like, these regular animals, and then they're, like, dungeon animals. So, I see these ponies, I get an objective from this random-ass guy that's like, hey, go slay, like, 16 ponies for me. So I'm like... <laughs> So we, okay. I, I, who the fuck am I to argue you? You're gonna give me this quest to like slay 16 ponies, so I'm, I'm gonna fucking do this. So I kill one pony, mind you, I'm level like fucking 19, and a level 85 like fucking wildebeest comes out of nowhere, wrecks me in one hit. GG. I'm just like, how the fuck? I can't even kill one, and you want me to kill 16? I love, I love how you followed up my badass dragon story with ponies. <laughs> I had to take out some ponies. I had to take out ponies and the fucking... Who is this guy contractually like hiring you to kill ponies Well, this dude him? obviously fucking knew a level 86 wildebeest was going to come and kill my ass after I killed one pony. Oh, man. Did the guy actually ask you or tell you why he needed these ponies? No, he was just like, hey, dude, I need these ponies to be killed, so do it. And I was like... <laughs> Well, That's fuck it. He's like, well, this is an RPG, alright, fine. And you just... I, I thought it was an easy quest to get experience from. Apparently I was wrong. This is like a quest for a level 86 person, not 19. Why Why? Why give this to me? <laughs> <laughs> RPG logic. I can't believe there's no story behind the ponies. He just showed up. He just—he was just there. He had an explanation point over his head, and I was like, "The fuck does this dude have to say?" And he told me, "Kill ponies." I like, like he—I can imagine him like turning a, like a random corner, and like, "Hey, kid, you need a job." <laughs> <laughs> I got some money for you. Kill these ponies. I got sixteen ponies. I need put in the ground. <laughs> And I heard you're the man to do it. I need to quit and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> no witnesses. I don't need any horses knowing what I'm doing. Oh, I don't need this getting back to the equestrian police. <laughs> Maybe this is all so that Link doesn't have a pony. That's what this is for. This is like fucking tied to Legend of Zelda so Link doesn't have his horse. This is like a big conspiracy now. It's a huge conspiracy. <laughs> you're, you're Million dollar idea. <laughs> you're hinting at like this deep... Million dollar idea number four. This deep Xenoblade is Xenoblade is connected. The, ho- the horse guy is like Ganon, actually. 
He's actually Ganon from the future. I need these horses down. <laughs> these are the ones who bred... Actually, he's more like the reverse Flash. He comes to kill... To kill opponents like fucking... Forefathers. <laughs> so... And then he gets trapped in the past. So in actuality, he needs... The fucking... The, Shulk? Yeah. He needs Shulk to kill him? He needs Shulk to bring him it's back like to if, the future. If we kill Epona and Link has no way to, to climb the hedge, <laughs> then the series ends. And I can't take over because I can't climb the ledge. Can't do it without Link, so... I done fucked up. Or maybe he is the reverse Flash and paradoxes don't affect him. Maybe. Apparently that's the reverse Flash's power. Or one of them. Yeah. Anyway, fuck, fuck Xenoblade. <laughs> fuck you, Dragon you didn't try. You didn't, you didn't keep going back to it after no. you failed? No, you were just like, I'm done. I was just like, I'm not killing fucking ponies and getting my shit wrecked. And then, like, I know it's in my logs, so it's gonna bother me that it's not completed. I don't want to go back to it. I will eventually. Probably tonight. Yeah, just like grind and then get back to it. Grind to level fucking 86. Just avoid the wildebeest. I can't! Why? They come out of nowhere. They like spawn out of nowhere. Hey, if you're gonna be Furiosa, you, 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 no excuses. Come on. I'm not Furiosa. Stan is Furiosa. You're, but you're supposed to be Mad Max. I am Mad Max, but Mad Max can't take <laughs> out the ponies alone. I like how you're like, I am Mad Max. <laughs> I'm alone. Max just gets shit done without saying a word. Like that, and you know, it's like that scene where you just walk off and you just hear the wildebeest just explode, and you come back and you're all bloodied, and but it's not your blood. And, and, and then, it's gonna be the blood of the ponies. Yeah, sixteen ponies. Just. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. It's gonna be like just, the scene of Mad Max where they where they unravel the dead body, and it's just gonna be a pile of fucking ponies. <laughs> And He's like, here you fucking ponies. You're just gonna escape into the crowd after you leave. <laughs> I'm not even gonna collect the reward. Boy, there you go. Just He's like, here's your ponies. I'm leaving. Yeah. People listening. Is that why we're all bikers in this, in this post-apocalyptic world? Because we killed all the ponies, and now we only have motorcycles to ride. Yeah, bro. And, and then the after I kill the ponies, Shulk is gonna put on a leather jacket. And just ride off into the sunset. And because he did that, Link has no choice but to get a motorcycle also and get his own leather jacket. And then Ganon is like, well, I want a leather jacket. Well, I, can't, I can't be left behind. I gotta catch up. So he gets a motorcycle and a leather jacket. And then Zelda's like, where's everyone going? She gets a motorcycle and a leather jacket. Uh. And now we have worn this joke way too far. People are listening who have never watched Mad Max, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Super Nerd Pals is going on. That's, that's what the fuck. We're going to have to write a disclaimer. It's like, please listen to this only if you've seen Mad Max. Fuck that. I want everyone to watch. Everyone's going to listen to just, this. Just write spoiler cast, you know? Like, yeah, it's going to be Mad Max spoiler cast everywhere. Yeah. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan God. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to comics. Alright. Um, so, I have a comic to share with you guys. Um, last, or this past Wednesday, Old Man Logan, number one, came out. 
And uh, I'm not caught up with um, the other Secret War stuff, but I, I absolutely had to grab Old Man Logan because uh, the, the the original one shot run by Mark Wade. I, I read it maybe in the, in the past year. Um, and it was so good, and I really, it really had a profound effect on me. Um, and for, as, for a quick recap of Old Man and Logan, um, in a lot of ways, it's like, a lot like Mad Max. It takes place in a post-apocalyptic um, America where the entire uh, landscape is divided up into like zones or fiefdoms and the villains rule. And for 50 years, Wolverine... Uh, he's taken this uh, this vow of peace. He's never uh, unsheathed his claws. He's never killed anyone for 15 or 50 years, and no one really knows what happened. All they knew is all they all they know knew about it was that something so horrible happened to him that he just walked away. But then shit goes down. Uh, old man Logan. Um, he goes on this really awesome road trip with um, with Hawkeye, Old Man Hawkeye, and they, they just go across uh, the war, um, the country, and eventually, fast, fast forward, he takes down the, the kingpin, and he dismantles the entire villain power structure, um, and this sets up, uh, this plays into the, the new Old Man Logan, where after this point, um, Logan has created a new vow where he's going to become a, a, the hero that he was originally. Like for, the, for so long, the reason why he was so burnt out is because uh, there was part of this plot where Mysterio brainwashed um, Logan to make him make it seem his fellow X Men team members. Or spoilers, spoilers, uh, uh, of course, but. Um, uh, he he was hypnotized to believe that his fellow teammates were villains, and he straight up gunned the, the entire X Men in this reality. So it was really really dark stuff, but it's really good. And um, so with this with Old Man Logan one, um, it's uh, it it uh, launches off of uh, a vignette of Logan going through this personal crusade of. Uh, Restoring order to this world, so there's really cool scene where in the, uh, in the beginning of the comic, where um, this town is terrorized and harassed by these these gang of hoodlums. They're all dressed like Daredevil, and they, they don't know they don't know his legacy. But they're, they're they just all they do is they gamble and they harass people and drink beer. And, Are they um, blind? I'm sorry. Are they blind? No, they just uh, they all wear the red co- the classic red costume. They have a no gang idea. of villainous um, blind people <laughs> no. just robbing just, people. Just punks. Um, and Logan just straight up kills them all, and it's just it's really beautiful spread. And um, uh, the comic, it's there at least in this part, it's a very very little dialogue. It's just it's, it's, it's entirely digitally based, and it's really cool how they they set it up. Um, so he takes out the Daredevil gang, and he's traveling across. Uh, oh, and he frees the town from from the from the Daredevil gang, and he's traveling across, and he encounters um, the 
the helmet or like the, the skull of Ultron uh, model number five mm. and it's it starts uh, talking to him um, so after that he this launches off into a new journey where he's gonna try to find answers and try to um, uh, get to the bottom of what this voice of Ultron is trying to say them, but they don't really explain what it is um, so he sets off and he <laughs> Find eventually finds um, Emma Frost to try to get help from her, and in this and this is really depressing scene where Emma Frost is um, on her deathbed because uh, after the events of Logan, um, like destroying the entire villain power structure, there was chaos and anarchy in the entire, in the entire uh, landscape. So in this part of town, um, she tried to. Um, maintain order and control, but a gang of punishers goes <laughs> to the town and she start the, the, she she straight up tries to fight him off, but she uh, eventually in the comic she later dies. And uh, it's really it's a really depressing but really well done scene. At the end of the comic it's so badass, just uh Logan is just running across um on a horse and uh then he goes to this wall where is where's the edge of his world and he starts scaling up the wall and it's like oh god so it's a really good issue uh, the art's really really awesome there's really fr- uh, frenetic uh, action scenes and um, it's a great starting off point so I'm really excited for the next issue is there um, <clears throat> is there any like tangible connection to the larger like secret wars or is it mostly self-contained uh, they uh, they do mention. I mean, they they do, they make a brief mention to Doom. Um, like, there's this one scene where Logan. I, I, I think in this in this world, Logan um, is either related or adopted the daughter of Luke Cage. Um, and they were talking. They were talk, talking briefly about Doom. Or it was either that, or she was talking, or he was talking to Emma about Doom. But it seemed like a largely self-contained story. So, just uh, so you know, the, since you haven't been reading the wall, I think they're going to start. Um, you know, maybe, maybe in the next issue we'll, we'll see more right next to the rest of Secret Wars. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 it's fine. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. just so you know, since uh, you haven't been reading Secret Wars, Doom is like god of fucking everything. <laughs> And yeah, I, I was. Uh, I did listen to the, some of that past episodes. I was talking to Stan, like on the side, where he he's all in white and he, he rules all battle world. It has like a whole bunch of Asgardians, so, like just yeah. dishing out the law for him. It's it sounds so badass. It's so cool. He's got the whole Thor crew, just like every Thor. He's just like got a million Thor hammers too. Apparently, see my my. My wondering about the, that whole thing is that does that mean that all the other dooms and all the other universes don't exist, or is there just you know? Because every universe has a doom, right? Maybe this doom killed all the other dooms. Maybe, or maybe they're all fused into God Emperor Doom. Oh my god! So he's like the complete like fusion of every single universe. I mean, he, was, he was he was, was super god saying super god saying doom. Yeah. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Mad Max, Doom. Yeah. yeah. Doom is Mad Max. Done. 
Doom. Shouldn't he be like more than Joe? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He's more like more than Joe. He's <laughs> no, like no. sitting up there and just. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's Shigeru. Yes. Shigeru yes. Miyamoto. In this extended uh, connection that we're making, yes. <laughs> so, so we can blame Doom for the shortage of amiibos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you listen that's, to this podcast, you can now. <laughs> it's Doom's fault. Or you can praise Doom for giving us amiibos in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and we should be we should be grateful that amiibos even exist in the first place. You know, because Bye. of God Emperor Doom. Yes, thank, thank you, thank you, Doom. Thank you, <laughs> Doom. Bless America. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, uh, uh, what other titles have you been, have you been reading in Secret Wars? Because I, I, this is the first Secret Wars titles I've been, I read uh, so far. I'm following the main series. I'm also going to be following Spider Verse um, and X Men ninety two. And there was one more, but I can't remember what it is. Are you doing Spider Island too? Yeah, Spider Island. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I'm following the main series as well. I'm gonna be. I'm following Spider Verse, um, Master of Kung Fu. I'm following. Um, started following A Force. Not really into it as much as I thought I would be. So I'm still gonna pick up the second issue, but it's. Eh. Uh, besides that, probably uh, X Men '92. Hell yeah. Then there's gonna be. Uh, Thor's. Oh, right, you're going to be following Thor's. Thor's! Have you, been, have you been following the, uh... Like, the newest issues of Thor? Um, the most recent one where they re- revealed Thor's, uh... Identity, yeah. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I read news about that. Yeah, I, I was really surprising. Do you know oh, who it is? Cool. No. It's Jane Foster. Really? Yeah. The hell? Just cancer, too. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and the more she, she's in Thor mode. Like when she comes out, like the worse her cancer gets. Yeah, so it's killing. She's basically Breaking Bad. She's like <laughs> using the Thor power to like <clears throat> to do good, but like it's killing her faster. That's crazy. So eventually, she will die to this cancer. Apparently, but it's like, it's like I'm dying, but I must do this. It sounds like she's more addicted to the Thor power than. I don't know. Anything. We'll see. We'll see how how that works out. Because she's she's not only going to be in Battle World, but um, the all new, all different Avengers. She's like a starring role in that too. So she, we know, based on marketing, that she survives Secret Wars. So that's a given. But it's going to see like how how much longer she lives after that is I think what they're doing. That'll be fun. That's a weird route to go to, but it seems very interesting. Also, the guy who who draws Thor lied to me when I met him at Comic Con. Why? I point blank asked him, "Who is Thor?" Right? Point blank. He goes, "Beyonce." <laughs> That's what he said to me. He, he signed. Could pull it up, he signed my issue <sighs> one and said it was Beyonce, and it was Beyonce. He like tricked me. This guy. Tom Foolery. Stan, never trust anyone, man. I guess not. Just like us knowing about, like, the fucking Spider-Gwen 
Ten minutes before it was announced. Yeah, like hours before. Which was cool. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I also picked up Fight Club 2. So did Chris, but Chris didn't read it yet. But I mean, number that. one rule yeah. of Fight Club, we can't talk about Fight Club. Oh, that's true. So, even next... Podcast <laughs> <laughs> segment over. <laughs> um, did you... I'm, I'm assuming everyone saw the movie, right? Yeah. You saw the movie, Chris, Spike Club? Yeah, I yeah. saw the movie, read the book. All right, I read the book recently. Um, I'd watched the movie, and then I read the book, like, last summer, I think. So, um, I think the comic is more in line with the book than the movie. I think it more follows that. But they're pretty much similar anyway. I think the endings were a little different, but it's mostly the same, I would say. So, it, it picks up, like, I, I want to say, like, ten years later. I don't, I don't know specifically, but several years later, um, the main character, who they call Sebastian, got married to Marla, they have a kid, and he takes a lot of pills to, like, keep Tyler in check, basically. Yeah. But, um, you start seeing, like, all this, like, chaos pop up around, so you get this idea that Tyler's maybe coming back, and you find out that Marla's been, like, replacing his pills with, like, sugar pills, Cause she wants the old, uh, she wants the old Tyler back, basically. Like she misses him, and it's like creating this rift in like his marriage. Cause like she wants Tyler more than she wants Sebastian, and he he goes to see this therapist, and it turns out the therapist is like, um, causing Tyler to come out. Like he's like using hypnosis to make him come out and like take control. And he's been using, like, for 50 minutes, three times a week, basically, Tyler comes out. And so he's been do- he's been using that to, like, set up all this Project Mayhem shit and the Spike Club stuff in those, like, three hours a week or whatever that he's around. But now that the pills are, like, gone, he's, he's starting to, like, emerge more. So it just, it set up a lot of stuff, this issue about, like, you know, what like, what the state of the characters are now and how... How things are getting sh- shooken up now, basically. So. It's interesting, and I, they do like a lot of um, fourth wall breaking stuff. Like um, when Sebastian's taking pills, you can see like an overlay of like realistic looking pills on the page of the comic, so it looks like they're actually on top of the comic book. And there's like later on, he's got like flowers, and you see flower petals covering parts of the page, so you can't see the whole page because it's covered in flower petals. They do like cool visual visual shit like that. So. That's really awesome. It's really cool, and I like that th- that it's you know the writer Chuck Palachik who wrote Fight Club, so he's like doing the sequel. So it's like the official canon sequel. So it's very it's definitely worth a read if you're interested in in Fight Club. You think this will get made into a movie? Like to follow the original. Fight They're Club old movie. enough now that they can do the original actors, and it would make they, sense. They could, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I would love to see that. Actually, that would be really fucking awesome. Yeah, make it happen. Um, make it happen. Yeah, uh, million dollar idea uh, number six. We're just cranking them out. Is it today. Like guys, we're on a roll, guys. <laughs> what, what the hell? This is amazing. We should have you on the show more often. We're just God. Like, writers need to just hire us three. We're just like on fire. Just to talk about random shit for like an hour and a half. Like, boom. Boom. By the way, um, Chuck, uh, I went to... Uh, well, he he was going on his book tour. He uh, celebrated the release of Fight Club 2 as well as uh, a short story book. Um, it's called... 
make something up stories you can't unread um, and I have to say I, I I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from Chuck because uh, I, I, I only read his books I never really read his press or read interviews or whatever but my god he he's like his he's like the most charismatic guy ever like his if you ever go to see a, a book event of Chuck's please go because it's really insane like he just throws candy at people and uh, yeah and um, at the beginning at the beginning of the book talk um, in our in our bags he, told, he instructed each member to fill up or to blow up this uh, this clear beach ball and to stuff two glow sticks into it <laughs> and then at the end um, at the end of the, the talk uh, he was giving away uh, first edition hardcover super rare limited edition copies of Fight Club and Whoa. his other works and in order to choose the seven winners what they did is they turned off all the lights and he start, they start playing um, God Bless America and everyone started like just went crazy they, we, were, we were just throwing like, knocking around the beach balls and they're all glowing like a, like a rave and some guy was walking in the middle of it while all this chaos was going on. They picked out seven random beach balls, which had which had people's names on it, to select the winners. Um, yeah, so he's really out there. Oh, at the end, at the end, he also threw out like boxes and box, like literally dozens of boxes of severed rubber hands to <laughs> to the to the fans. So it was, it was just an insane event, and I, I really recommend. If, if there's a tour, if he's coming to a tour or coming to a location near you on this book tour, you definitely have to go. Actually, um, Kiersey went to a, a signing from him once, like I think uh, a year or two ago, and she actually has a severed hand uh, signed by him. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. And she has, um, he also signed Fight Club, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You should um, ask her to show you the uh, severed hand. Yeah. Maybe he has fear of so. You you want to make everyone furious? What are you doing? I mean, you're giving out free fucking free candy to everyone. Fucking free books, free candy, free separate hands. This dude is Furiosa. Plus, it's the Mad Max episode. We need to compare everything to Mad Max. That's true. That's true. And on that note, let's go into the main discussion. The main right. event. Let's talk about Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah! All right, awesome. So, none uh, of you guys have seen the original trilogy, right? Nope. I, s- I saw Road Warrior. Okay, All right, but uh, Andy, have you seen any original movies? I haven't. Okay, but uh, so I, I want to start off with you, like, just, because you you went into this kind of blind, so I want to see. Like, I went into this movie completely blind. He was even like um, afterwards. Afterwards, he was like, "Was that a post-apocalyptic movie?" Yeah, like I was <laughs> so confused what was going on. No, no, no it's, a, it's, a, it's an Australian documentary. <laughs> I mean, I thought Every single day. I thought at one point, like the crocodile hunter was just gonna come up and say, "Like this right here is a super rare snake. We're going to catch it." Um, no, but from the start, um, just like the weird fast camera angles that they were doing I, I really like that in movies and it's not done very often um, 
this guy pulled it off like fucking amazingly and it fit the entire like first scene of where where like the two-headed uh bearded dragon ran up to to mm. Max and like he stepped on it and then like after and he, he eats it. Yeah, and then after he yeah. bit the head off, it just like skipped to like a scene of him picking up his book bag and then him like packing his shit up and just driving off. And, and then, then you see the the war boys chasing tail after him and and then um it's it's really crazy like uh like the first twenty minutes, you know, that's what they cut like all the trailers, the trailers are so amazing and I was afraid for a moment that um, you know they're giving away too much action, but all the stuff that you see in the trailers all happens in the next twenty or the first twenty minutes of the movie, which is mind blowing. And um, so I was really happy about that. There's just like, how could they top what what they showed the trailers? And they did over and over and over. And I really, I really dug that beginning, the beginning of the scene because it sets up like. Uh, a bit of lineage from the past movies because Max is still driving his iconic V8 uh, uh, Pursuit Interceptor. Um, then it gets trashed, <laughs> so which which made me so so sad. But, um, I like that uh, <laughs> that like the war boy that was with them. Uh, what's his name? Nuts. Nuts. Yeah, uh, that Nuts, he was yeah, like yeah. wearing uh, the jacket, and then at one point Max is just like, "Give me the jacket." <laughs> It's like, that's mine. It's like, oh, you can... Like, yeah, you can ask He's like, yeah, yeah, man, you can have this jacket. Like, no shit, that's his jacket. Of course, give him his fucking jacket. I I, I really liked how um, he started... Nux started out as a villain. And then I liked how they had that kind of, like, three-way fight between him, Max, and Furiosa. Yeah. And I kind of like seeing Nux and Max work together. I thought that was, like, kind of cool, like, how he, like, grabs the, the clip... Like the magazine of bullets, and oh, yeah, yeah, they slammed it, it, and then like they're dragging yeah. each other on the chain, and like they're using the the door of the the car. It's like God, they, I just love how they like inter. They he brings in shit like there's the door, there's the chain, and then they use it, and that's what I really like. They just they use everything. The yeah, they use like everything that they that they bring into the the movie. Nothing. I feel like the bolt cutters were like that was a main fucking point of the movie. Because yeah. towards the end, they start using the bolt cutters so that they can get away from the war boys when they're... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Like, like the, the bolt cutters, they cut off Max's chains, you know, to take off the harpoon chains and to, um, uh, to save Max from getting his hand cleaved off when um, Rick just fired that harpoon into the into the cab and yeah. the steering wheel was crushing his... Yeah, yeah. That was... That, that, that's... That bolt cutter was the hero of the movie. That no one, no one praised it ever. That was who's Furiosa? Bolt cutter. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just getting meta. I'm getting anti-meta. Um, I what? Is, what's the fucking guy from Avatar? The fire guy. Zuko? Zuko. I was getting Zuko vibes from Nux. I was like, is he going to be a villain and is he going to turn? Because I went into this movie fucking blind. I didn't know anything about the movie. Yeah, I didn't see any trailers. Uh, I've never seen a past Mad Max movie, so I just didn't know any of these characters, period. I Honestly, I'm going to be honest, I had no intention of really seeing Mad Max until I started hearing the good, the good praise about it. And then also, um, I read that like article about it being like a feminist movie or whatever and about Furiosa and then I was like I need to see this movie now 
Yeah, like the press is still going. Like three weeks on, like I just I, I keep up with the news all the time. Actually, this is really great new website that's popping up. It's called MadMaxUniverse.com. It's trying to be the premier portal for all, like your premier hub for Mad Max news and uh, nothing but stellar reviews and like people are like people are nitpicking all the details and analyzing it and even the back. The I wish. It, um, they would make a documentary about the making of Mad Max because this, this this took seventeen years to make. Seventeen years. Yeah, there was that's like a, that's insane. I read that there was like yeah. several times where the movie was going to get made, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Like so, like the timeline is um, like it's it's a, it's such an interesting harrowing story. Um, well, first of all, um, George Miller never intended to make a fourth Mad Max movie. Like he he thought he was done. And then over time, you know, Mad Max just being like an f- old family friend or old family member, you just never really forget about. It's always in the back of your mind, you know. Uh, I this idea involving Furiosa and this new, um, this unique plot point of like rescuing sex slaves uh, that, that this popped in his head. So he started developing it, and so many things happened over the course of years that delayed the project so you had um 9-11 happen you had uh the 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 australian dollar uh crashing you had um uh so many troubles trying to get casting because originally he wanted to or george miller wanted to um have mel gibson reprise the role of max he plays uh mac max rockatansky in the original three but then he had uh, Gibson had that major falling out where he just went kind of crazy, so yeah. they had to look for a new for a new old guy to reprise Max. And uh, Miller's very particular; he wanted the guy who is who is very strong, but like empowered, but also charismatic. And um, so, actually, from then, Heath Ledger was. He was, he was in talks and in developments to become the next Max. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, because um, because well, um, Mel, Mel and Heath, uh, they worked together on the Patriot, and yeah. I feel like through that connection, they uh, Heath got in contact with Miller, and Gibson was all in. Like he's like, yeah, I'm ready to pass on the mantle. Um. And, and then, unfortunately, Heath Ledger died, and that set plans back a lot. And um, it wasn't until um, it wasn't until Miller ran into Hardy and talked to him that he really felt that Hardy could um, reprise the role. There was also some other crazy stuff that happened. Like originally, uh, the film was a, was going to be filmed on the west coast of Australia. Um, but then, during the course of a year, there was this giant, giant freak storm. Like the, the, that, that part of the of Australia got the most rain it ever got ever. So instead of a wasteland, they got this giant oasis of flowers and plants everywhere. So they couldn't film it in Australia. So, so this essentially was the Greenland they were looking for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like we don't need this right now. God damn it! So they, they moved to they moved the entire filming to Namibia and they filmed for I think like six months or something like that. So and like that fight scene you were talking about, 
that that sequence took like a month, legit like a month to film. Um, and there was a there's this really interesting interview where um, it was Charlize Theron who plays the character of Furiosa. She was going through the details of like that fight scene, how brutal it was, and how she broke uh, Tom Hardy's nose. Like she just like kneed him in the face, and the the metal mask dug into his face and broke his nose. And uh, uh, the props to Tom Hardy taking like a champ, and uh, and Charlize was studying some challenges that would film in that fight scene because she would keep forgetting that she's she wasn't supposed to have the arm because she in the movie if you haven't seen it what are you doing you have to go watch it right now (laughs) she doesn't have an arm and in that scene she doesn't have her prosthetic bionic arm so she had to the 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 Miller and the other uh, other filmmakers were constantly trying to remind her you don't have a hand don't use your (laughs) your left hand So, so yeah but yeah that fight scene was badass I mean, so, and for someone with two arms trying to fight like a person with one arm, like I don't know. I think I would fuck up a lot too. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I kind of wish, like I, I mean, I, I, I've loved Mad Max for a really long while. Like I, I first, my, my first Mad Max was the Road Warrior. Um, and Andy, you haven't seen it yet, but you have to, like. It, it's where, like, when you when you see it, you can see all the clear stylistic and motifs uh, in Fury Road. Like, it was like the birth of all the desert punk stuff, and like all the crazy biker gangs roaming the desert, like hunting for oil. That it, that that movie started it all. And in terms of plot and narrative, it's it's very similar to Fury Road. Uh, um, I, someone was telling me today at work that Fury Road. That in his opinion, Fury Road was the worst Mad Max movie he's ever seen. What? Yeah, I, I at the con today, like I was talking with a bunch of um, a bunch of people, and they were saying like, yeah, this one guy just he just he straight up like left in the middle of the movie. It's like, I, are you kidding? Like, I I can't. I don't know. I, I did your friend or did your your acquaintance ever explain why he? Didn't like the movie. No, he never really explained. And then he's probably like too many women. I had another. I had another <laughs> customer oh, complain oh. that uh, that that Furiosa was the main like was the main character of the movie. That's was and I, that I, like I, I, I totally agree. And I think his whole problem wasn't is, that like that Furiosa had the main role, but his whole problem was that like he was misled by the title. Because instead of being about Mad Max, it's more of about Furiosa. Well, I like to address like um, at least well, at least with the second and third movie, and, and, and including Fury Road, it sets up this narrative uh, trend or pattern where Max is not really the the focus of his own story like he's the way in for the audience to see how crazy the, the world is or he's the way in for the audience to see these other stories popping up so in the road warrior it's basically about you know these group of uh, civilians and women and children trying to defend a, an oil depot uh, by these bandits led by a crazy uh, gang leader 
And um, with the third with the third movie, Mad Max Three: Beyond Thunderdome, it's about you know the power struggle, a political power struggle in this um, town called Bartertown that's ruled by Tina Turner's character, uh, Miss Entity. The only uh, and the a lot of the movies it just happens to be Max is you know out alone surviving, you know something happens like his car gets blown up or 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 he gets injured and he, he needs to go to civilization and to uh, still on a survival instinct and then he gets drawn up into the crazy antics or some crazy plot of these other characters and um, then he, he does what he does best he, he gets the job done and then at, at, always at the end he goes off alone um, um, the only exception to this is the first movie where it's um it's truly about Max. It's his origin story, uh, where he's a cop uh, who who's becoming burnt out um, because um, in this time the apocalypse is happening, like society's collapsing around him, and uh, Australia is starting to be um, terrorized by biker gangs, and he becomes burnt out and mad because. Um, he witnesses his wife and child killed, so he goes on a murder spree, like targeting each and every single one of them. Um, so that technically the first one's like the origin story. That's the one that's really about Max. But all the other movies, we just see Max through his point of view. And with Fury Road, like Furiosa, she's the main character, and the events would have still taken place even without Max because Furiosa at the end of the movie had already had. The gears moving where she was, she already uh, got the five wise out, and she already made a deal with the the bandits in the, in the canyon. So, yeah. I mean, without Max, the story would have happened. But, but with Max, he was essential for everyone's survival and success in the end. So. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like. But. Uh, go ahead. Oh, you're saying? No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just want to reiterate that I, I really love how the way that they introduce, like, items and things in the movie, and then they utilize all of it. Yeah. Like, every gun gets used, every weapon gets used, um, every kind of, like, you, you see, like, the guitar guy, then the guitar guy becomes, like, a, a even, part of the... Even, like, the breast milk becomes, yeah, like... like a, a part, a of, part of the plot because he uses it to wash yeah. the blood off his face. Yeah, and that's just like a really good like storytelling thing. Just you mm-hmm. you bring something in, you gotta like give it a it. purpose. Yeah, you gotta use it, and everything yeah. gets used. And that was like my favorite like detail. Just everything gets used. That's like that's like one of the, my most favorite things about this movie. Just like the world building Miller has done. Like he's he's built this movie like almost twenty years, and I really recommend getting um uh there's the Mad Max uh, official art book because it, it show, showcases all these concept art from like 1997 about like we're all, all the, just all these ideas are germinating and I love how the movie presents these ideas but they but just enough just to keep get your imagination going and I think it's ingenious and like with your point about like like about using every item um like like, Miller is a uh, a madman when it comes to practicality. I mean, we like on one side we already know like ninety five percent of these 
of all the of the movie. They're all all real stunts, all practical effects. There's very minimal CGI. And the other thing he really loved with filming is if it didn't work in real life, he didn't he he wouldn't he want he would say take it back. So the guitar, the Doof Warrior, his guitar, it was made from. They were, they made the car, the guitar as if they were in a real post-apocalyptic wasteland. So they, they took bed pans and made it into a guitar that actually worked in Speed Flames and, wow. um, and and like every vehicle that was made, they treated it as if they had to like scavenge or uh, scavenge and cannibalize it. And, and each vehicle has its own backstory, which is really insane. So. A crazy amount of detail and thought went into. Yeah, I liked all the the cars in the beginning with like the the hedgehog spikes, and like I thought I thought that was really cool, and Mm -hmm. like the way that they just like tried to incorporate that into okay, we're we have the spikes like in certain areas to protect the car and to also attack other cars. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, the movie's got a great attention to detail. Yeah, you know, just all of it. And like, I I saw the I I seen the movie three times, and I I, I really want to see it a fourth. But there's so many Easter eggs; it's so cool. Um, Listen, every time we bring on a guest to talk about a movie, they've seen it three times before <laughs> the episode is. What the fuck? What are we doing wrong, Stan? I don't know, man. We only see this I- shit one time. Like, uh, I'm sorry, like, like, well, I mean, I, um, my friend, uh... That should be our standards from now on. If you want to be on our show, you need to see the fucking movie <laughs> three times. Yeah, uh, like, I was gonna see it, like, multiple times anyway, but, um, the first time I watched it, uh, my friend won free early screening, so I saw it Wednesday, uh, hmm. like, like, two or three days before it came out, and then I saw it Friday... Uh, the, the, the night of the premiere also dressed up which was which was so much fun and then I saw it the weekend after um, actually I just, just today at the con um, uh, I just found out there's a theater uh, in, in a in a mall called the Rundle Mills in, um, farther up in Maryland where they have like this 4D experience where so they were telling me that you could watch Mad Max and with the car scene or the car chases and the fight scenes the, the your seat actually moves and shakes. Shit, that like, sounds. I think I need. Fucking... I need to do this. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds yeah. amazing. That sounds great. Yeah. So, um, wait. Well, what? Uh, I I forget why I went on this tangent. Me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like talking about the movie about how Mad Max yeah. is fucking awesome. It's a fucking great movie, man. So so awesome. Um. Oh yeah, I was talking about world building. Yeah, and just, just I just want to know more about it, and that's why I'm really excited that um, I think it was like a week after the the premiere dropped. Um, well, during the course of the development of the film, uh, Miller just kept getting more and more inspiration ideas. So he actually wrote two two more treatments uh, or two more scripts during the filming of uh, Mad Max. And now that uh, the movie's doing so well, uh, they announced that two equal or two new two new movies are coming out, which are going to be prequels. They're going to come out, and the, the the next official title is called Mad Max Wasteland or Mad Max: The Wasteland. 
Um, and I'm really excited because if there's going to be a prequel, we, we, we could still get to see more of um, Immortanjo, maybe see more Furiosa, more Max, of course. And maybe we could get to see more of how the world got that way. Um, and I feel like how the the structure will, will work out in terms of movie timelines because Tom Hardy signed up for four movies. Holy and shit. So, yeah. <laughs> and so did... Um, Hugh Kerr, Hugh Hugh Bean Kerns or the guy who plays at Morten Joe he's also signed up for four movies so oh. um, so I feel like you have Fury Road and you have two prequels and then a movie that's set after Fury Road I think that that, that makes more sense of what's gonna happen um, but if Morten Joe died like how would well he can show oh, up in the prequels yeah in the prequels yeah but if he signed up for four movies I'm saying so that or maybe it was three. It was like three. Uh, maybe it might have been three, but he, he signed up for like at least two more. Another, um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I want to. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I know they started to hint at the the world before Fury Road. Like, there's um, there were re- last week on the twentieth or, or May twentieth, they they released issue one of uh, a series of Mad Max comic coming out. And this one focused on the backstory of Nux and Immortan Joe, and the next one's gonna, the next issue coming out is going to be the ba- uh, the backstory for Furiosa. Yeah, I'm so I don't know that I don't know if that's canon, but um, but I would I yeah, I would just like to know more. So I'm really excited to pick up those those issues. I'm definitely picking up Furiosa. Like that's happening. <laughs> like I'm picking up Furiosa. I, I may pick them up. Actually, both of them. I hope that they do um, a Furiosa standalone, like a spinoff. I'd watch that. A sp- spinoff movie, yeah, like, definitely. Just like starring Furiosa, that'd be awesome. Like, what's really, uh, what I really would like to see is, um, you know, because uh, at the beginning of the film we see that Furiosa is an Imperator, so she's um, in Immortan Joe's inner circle. And she's always talking about redemption and, and trying to, you know, um, to give something back or to um, to do right the wrongs that she had committed. So if she, if a guy like Morton Joe see it, like loves her that much or has her in such high esteem, she must have done some pretty fucked up stuff to get to that point. Yeah. So I'll be really interested to see in the movie, especially that that like. They made it seem like he definitely, like, she was the last person he would ever think would betray her. Oh, betray him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, she had to do something to get into that position and, like, fucking... I wonder what made her, like... like, Flip? Yeah. Like, well, I did all this shit, but I want to redeem myself. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe she had a hand in kidnapping other children, like like she was kidnapped. I mean, that would screw someone up, and yeah. you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Furiosa, uh, Charlize Theron, like she was so hot in this movie, and she was so, and but she wasn't sexualized in the movie either. Yeah, I mean, she was she, she was just is, and um, and she just kicked ass, and uh, more power to her for pulling that off so flawlessly and um yeah they're 
there's there, and like everyone's everyone's doing Furiosa fan art and Furiosa cosplays, and I love it. Like I just more of her, please. Like, she yeah. she actually really killed that role. I, I just like how like strong she was, and how she was like a better shot than Mad Max and all this shit. Like, yeah, was, with like, the awesome. sniper. <laughs> He just like gives her the gun. He's like, here you do it. She's like, fuck, <laughs> fucking whatever. <laughs> I can't and, kill uh, this guy. You probably can't either. And then she fucking does it. Yeah, teamwork. Fist down. There you go. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, also read another article where um, it, it was an op-ed, and um, not only Furious is inspiring to women. Um, this particular author, she was born with a fetal amputee syndrome. So she related a lot, like, because if you think about, like, think about, it, like, technically, Furiosa should be physically disabled, but she turns that, she doesn't, she just, like, she doesn't let that stop her, and she still kicks ass, and that's, yeah. that's another great point, to, or great inspiration that she has for her fans. So. I liked her little uh-huh. truck setup. Yeah. But like the little the little door at the bottom. I like how every part of the Falcon <laughs> truck had a gun in it. Max <laughs> seemed to know exactly where every gun was. Yeah. He like I, scouted I that like shit he, up. He probably figured like this is alright, if I was if this was my truck, where would I put the guns? So it's just like boom 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 boom. And uh, he's an ex cop, so um, he has that yeah. skill set you know, down a lock. Um so uh, I guess like so I know Stan I know you haven't seen the other movies um, but I want to ask you like do you think Fury Road is a sequel or a standalone because I've had this debate with a lot of other people and it's very ambiguous I wanted to get your thoughts so like where this stands in the timeline um, I feel or, oh no, no no I'm sorry uh, I was like, I, I feel like uh, it works as a standalone because it worked for this guy and he didn't see shit. Yeah. For me, I feel like it works both ways. It does seem like a sequel because Max is dealing with like a lot of um, emotional, like psychological issues that they don't really touch on too much in the movie. And so I feel like if they want to wrap up Max's story the sequel to Fury Row needs to address that and, like, have him, like, stop being mad. I guess, like, get to a point where he's no longer mad. Like, he's worked through all that fucking Well, I bullshit. feel like the way that you would do it would to pretty much, like, solve the apocalypse. Like, finally create civilization and for, like, for Max to have this some kind of, like... Like freedom from this crazy ass world he lives and, in now. Well, like Furiosa keeps talking about redemption, and I think the the final Max story would be Max's redemption, right? That's, that's I feel like that's I I kind of get the sense that this is that's where it was taking. Like maybe not this movie. This movie was more about Furiosa's story, but like Max's ultimate move, like ultimate end, would be like his redemption. I think that's what they're going I mean- to. And, and, like, Max took a, a big step forward in this movie. Like, in the beginning of the film, you know, he's literally feral for, like, the first 30 minutes. And he's, and, like, um, you never see his face. So if you could, you could put that as, like, a symbolic metaphor for, like, being muzzled or being chained up. Because, like, he, he had, you don't see his face. And he has that mask on him for, like, 20 minutes. And 
I over the the film, you see it. Well, in the beginning of the film, like he see, he like communicates like grunts and he's very like guttural. And then by the end of the film, he's like actually showing human compassion and and showing teamwork and empathy and and so that's a and I mean, actually talking. Yeah, yeah, he's actually talking. Uh, but like similar to like Road Warrior, you know, like at the end, he like he regains a bit of his humanity, but he's still has issues to work through so he doesn't so he in the end he just walks off alone to the sunset not on a motorcycle but (laughs) (laughs) I like how they had various different names because he didn't establish that his name was Max until almost the end of the movie yeah and the whole the whole time like Knox called him Bloodbag and like fucking Furiosa didn't even call him a name she called him Fool yeah it's it's really interesting because, like, when you when you think about the timeline, it's it. I mean, it's you're totally right. The movie works as a standalone. Like, if you've never seen any of the movies, you can still enjoy it. Um, and if you if you're a fan of, of the original three, there are lots of Easter eggs and nods. Um, but it's just like I've, I've tried so like I've spent so much time trying to figure out like the timeline. Um, because the movie references stuff from Mad Max, like he's an ex-cop, um, and he was a family man. Although a big difference between the two is um, that little girl that keeps showing up at Fury Road. Like uh, in the original Mad Max, he had a wife and a son named Sprog. So I'm not sure if this little girl is a rewrite or maybe just some other girl he made as a surrogate child, but we don't know. Um, and then there's like continuity ambiguities between Fury oh, with Road Warrior and Fury Road because in the beginning of Fury Road he has the V8 interceptor and that was destroyed in the in the Road Warrior like it, it, it straight up just got completely blown up. But um, and I know uh, George has done interviews where he's saying like in terms of timeline like the original Mad Max movie. Set was supposed to set place sometime near now, um, and Road Warrior was supposed to take place like five to ten years from now, and then Thunder uh, Beyond Thunder was supposed to take place like five years later, and Fury Road was supposed to take place like forty to like fifty years later. So how the hell is yeah. Max so young? Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, there's also fan theory. They were saying that. Um, that this Max character is like a legacy character, like James Bond. Like you know, other people like have heard the legends of Mad Max, and they take on his persona or his his mantle. Hmm. Which is a really interesting idea. I didn't think about that like that. Yeah. If it's supposed to take place so far into the future, then yeah, there is a age discrepancy. But I'm thinking maybe. That's. I feel like the prequels will address that if they're going to be um, set before Fury Road, then it's going to have to bridge the gap between Thunderdome and Fury Road, and so maybe we can see whether it is the same Max or if it's like someone taking up the mantle of the Max name. I mean, I think that's pretty much what the prequel will establish, and. I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna buy the the first three Mad Max movies so that I can watch them and fully understand. We should watch them together. Yeah, 
Because I, I need to go back yeah, and watch it. Yeah, it. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna, gonna I'm gonna yeah. buy the trilogy on Blu-ray. We're gonna have to like go through like all yeah. the Mad Maxes, all the aliens. Like No Predators. No no I'll, you know I'm, I'm gonna watch Predator actually. I thought it was one of the reboots. Actually I heard Predators was really good. Really? Yeah. But um back on topic, what was I gonna say? I, maybe this Max is not the same Max, but maybe his um, origin is so similar to the original Max that he decides to rename himself Max as well. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe and like, like, and like, at the end of the movie is like uh, when he says like, "My name is Max." That's my name. It's like the first time he like says his own name. So I, don't, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe he just at that point is like, "I want to be Max." So. Like, but I, I, was, I love the idea of a, of a legacy character, James Bond, kind of an analog to Mad Max, because uh, that's another big, big point that's, that's pointed out. Like all these stories, it doesn't. It's like a counterpoint to the argument that there has to be continuity. Like people just say, "Well, these stories are individual vignettes about the legends of the World War, whose name is Max, and you know, and maybe." It, it, in that way, continuity doesn't matter, you know, or I, to a point, identity doesn't really matter as long as it's about Max and his interactions with other people and the stories that come out of it. So, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe it's kind of like just, um, I forgot what it was from, but there was, there was another movie that had brought this fact up and it was like the name itself carries a specific amount of weight. And fear and like. Oh, you mean Batman? Was it Batman? Totally Batman. <laughs> I, I I don't think it was Batman. Uh, I don't remember what the fuck it was. But oh, yeah. Rayshon Ghoul, Rayshon Ghoul. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely Rayshon Ghoul. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I feel like that's the same concept here. Like he just takes the name Max because of because of the weight it already has. Like it's already established person and yeah maybe like he can use that yeah. to his advantage yeah. somehow or maybe he got irradiated and he's immortal somehow he that found the Lazarus pit I mean I mean like it, it's crazy like, um I mean they they do reference that in the movie like uh, it took me a couple of times to figure it out but in the beginning of the film you know they they mention you know you have um the oil wars and then the water wars the water wars and then a nuclear bomb or nuclear war breaks out and um there were saying there was this one specific line where there's like this old lady she was saying like their blood was poisoned or something like that and that's why it makes sense why the all the war boys are half lives so they have limited lifespans I, I feel like they have like some type of blood cancer which is why they always need to find fresh blood and why Max is so he's such a precious commodity since he's a universal donor that made that made a lot of sense to me that you know maybe they had a blood cancer and they, they need fresh blood to replace it and they had Max to do that for them um, but yeah maybe, maybe Max is, is one of those freak characters who just develops superpowers he, he can't age and maybe he's like a, a polymath who knows everything about cars or something like that. The last know. Mad Max movie is going to be called Mad Max Forever. <laughs> it's just going to be it's just going to be Mad Max standing on 
a fucking cliff looking at nothing. Done. Done. Credits roll. <laughs> and he's gonna drive off in his motorcycle in the after credits towards the Hell sunset. Yeah. He's gonna face off against Thanos. <laughs> yeah. He's. I mean, Mad Max was already confirmed it, it, for Infinity War. It'll end and it'll say Max will return in Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> Part one, maybe two. Oh, so many good ideas, guys. So, do we? Do you have um, any final points, or do you want to like rate the movie and wrap? Uh, I just want to see. You guys, uh, I want to see uh, what are you guys' favorite parts of the movies, um, and then well, we, then I, I'm I'm fine with rating afterwards. But favorite part of the movie, if any, Ooh. or all of it. <laughs> It has to be like the uh, the final action sequence, where yes. like where like all the cars are f- getting destroyed and they're trying to make their way to uh, to like the front car, and like shit just keeps going bad for the war boys. Like everything that can possibly go wrong goes wrong for them, and I just I just really loved that sequence. It was an amazing action sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite is probably that freeway fight with the chain and the door and, you know, the water. Furiosa. Furiosa. And, yeah, I like, and I like the tu- the, ta- the uh, part of the movie where Nux turns and he turns, like, into, like, a hero. And I like that, that scene where he gives him the gun and he's like, I'll carry you to Valhalla personally. And then he gets oh, yeah. on the truck and he just like fucking trips and he's like, mediocre. And he's just like, <laughs> I was like, ah, jeez. Uh, can't, get, can't get a break. Yeah. And I just like, I like his little romance subplot with the, um, the redhead woman. That was yeah, her name's uh, Capable. Capable. Um, yeah. I love how the, I love the names. They're all just super weird and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was really sweet. I, I really like that romance. Yeah, I like. I also like it wasn't. It wasn't like um, overstated. It was kind of like um, just something that was like developing in the background, yeah. and they didn't really like. They didn't need to like linger on it too long. Yeah. So, what was your favorite part, Chris? Oh, like the climax scene so good, and like the 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 fight scene so good. Um, oof. I I really like my heart started racing. So, oh my god, my pop filter just fell off. Okay, <laughs> but uh, my heart started racing, and I'm like, oh my, oh my god, this is really happening. Where this the the pole cats start veering like side to side against the against the rig, and they start they start like pulling people up, and they start boarding the rig like in some old school Streets of Rage. <laughs> Side brawler video game. I was like, it kind of it kind of reminded me of some type of like warriors type shit, like the warriors. Yeah, mm-hmm. like just some like biker gang coming up and just trying to outnumber one person. Mm-hmm. That's what that kind of reminded me of. Yeah, and that this uh, the the whole polecat being on top of moving rods mechanic. Um. That was inspired by Miller watching Cirque du Soleil, and he's like, "Oh my god, I need that in, my, in that movie." And for the longest time, it was physically impossible for them to figure out a way to do that practically. 
Um, but what happened, uh, that freak storm in Australia uh, went down and they had to postpone production for a year. So all the engineers for that entire year started tinkering. And then by the end of the time, they figured out a way to make that polecat scene work. It's like, that's awesome. So I'm glad that it turned out that way. Yeah. That was cool shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, um, I mean, but in general, I love the entire movie. I'm going to, I would, if I, I can list every single scene as my favorite scene. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you already know my feelings on it, like five out of five. No, six out of five. If, six like, out of five. Oh, wait, no, the banana. No, the banana. That's right. Uh, you, you guys do the banana scale. He's, he's going to do like a hand plus one banana. <laughs> y- yes. <laughs> Ten plus a, one. A bushel of bananas or whatever. <laughs> it's like bro- <laughs> scale. Just add an extra banana to the scale. Uh, I want a damn banana tree. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Greedy over here. Yeah. We only got five bananas. <laughs> uh, uh, I would definitely give it like a, a good five out of five. Yeah? Yeah. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really fun. Um, it was really interesting to go in, like, with not knowing anything, and just, like, that shit just blew my mind and amazed me. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I can't really find too much wrong with it. Uh, As a standalone movie, it just, it it does a good job of both working on its own and also adding to the greater Mad Max like mythology and honestly um, I liked it and I can't can't find really anything wrong with it and it did, it did a good job of like showing you exactly what you needed to know and incorporating everything that it introduced in the beginning of the movie throughout the movie so I have to give it a five also perfect score man there it's, you go that's yeah. the SMP stamp of approval the whole hand. Bam. The whole hand. <laughs> the whole hand. George Miller, you crazy bastard. I love you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well speaking of George uh, Miller, we still we're still gonna talk about him in our special topics. So Do you want any special topics? You wanna just we, we, ran, we ran kinda long this week. Two I got, hours. I gotta go to fucking bed. I don't know man. Like <laughs> we could just I, I kinda feel like I just wanna wrap it. Because right. I gotta get home. Okay. It's getting late. Alright, um, sounds fine. fine. We can we can return to the special topics in a future episode. I'm sure we're gonna have Chris back on. Oh yeah, I would love to. This is so much fun. Alright, so there you go. Awesome. So you wanna wrap? Yeah. Uh thank you guys for listening to Super Nerd Pals. Uh if you wanna contact us or send us some form of Something. Something. Some feedback or some topics. <laughs> feedback, topics, you know, the huge. Uh, you can get us at SuperNerdPals on Twitter or SuperNerdPals at gmail.com. You can get Stan at Stan Doom. Doom! You can find me at, at um, Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire, all one word. And you can find me at Sweet Justice One O N E, not N O E, not N O E, not no way. So yeah, tweeted us 
And tell us what you think about Mad Max. Definitely go watch Mad Max if you haven't. Is it a 5 out of 5 or is it a 6 out of 5? Well, we don't know. 6 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye.